2: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: Are you comforted to know that new Bears OC Shane Waldron, quote, totally believes his scheme can fit the skill set of any quarterback, be it Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, or another QB? Were you expecting any other answer from him? (laughs)
1: <laughs> not a not a chance. I you know we talked about it yesterday and I think we both anticipated that he's going to be asked about the quarterbacks and he knows that the question's coming and he's not allowed to say who the quarterback is. So when we were sitting here just kind of talking to each other like well he's going to talk about how the scheme and how he can adapt and all, it was exactly what he said and it was what Eberflus said as the reason he hired him, I thought that was uh, interesting. The only guy they brought back for a second interview. And that, and basically, they brought him back to hire him. They didn't bring him back for a second interview. But, um, you know, there were other jobs out there for, for that guy, and, uh, and they realized it, and so they hired him. But I, I think that that was exactly the answer that you were expecting. It, it, you know, you can't say who's going to be the quarterback. So you basically say, well, whoever the quarterback is, we're all getting on the same page. I like the idea that, you know, it's about getting the staff together now. Have you have you communicated? Well, we've, we've exchanged messages. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I like the
2: idea. <laughs> that means he hasn't but, returned my call. Say, well, but we're talking. You know, we're communicating.
1: There's, I think he left me a voice. Call. You up, Justin? Um, but I, I do like the idea that you got to get the language together. You got to get everyone. You're putting a staff together. You got to make sure everybody understands what you're doing and what the scheme is and all that stuff. That's cool. That's a good answer. Go ahead and talk about that stuff. We'll, uh, we'll have a lot of information about him as we move forward. And as we get to know him more, and as we know who's going to run that scheme, who's his quarterback, that's uh, a little bit of a question at this point. I mean, I mean,
4: I expected everything to go exactly like this when I heard the presser. Like he didn't answer anything like, Hey, uh, have you talked to Justin? You know, you know, we talk to everybody. It's about the staff and stuff like that. Hey, what do you think of Caleb Williams? You know, we look at all the quarterbacks and stuff like he didn't answer anything, (laughs) but here's the thing too. When I think of great coaches and offensive coordinators, like the scheme part, like I I get it. Like, this is my scheme. I, I, when you get certain players if it's Justin Fields Caleb Williams whatever their traits are i always feel like why can't you adapt to the player not the player adapt to your scheme that i just right. i never i never got that like this is my scheme the players got to fit into my scheme my scheme works my scheme wins but i'm just like why not just adapt your scheme more to the player's skill set i just never get that so when they say like my scheme can fit with any quarterback i mean it's good to hear but at the same time I'm interested in skill set. That's great. That's a great point, Brandon, because
2: I do think that's almost one of the things that, as he said it, it reminded me that's why he's here in a way. Right. It wasn't necessarily that. That's this is,
1: what went wrong. That's what went wrong. Your and, inability. And frankly, that's coaching, isn't it? That I is mean, coaching. You've got to be able to fit what you do to what you have.
2: So when you have a guy like Shane Walgen who has done the job before, called plays, but also been part of a reclamation project in Geno Smith. He was also the hand-picked guy of Russell Wilson. And When you talk about his credentials, they are impressive. So I was waiting to see what everybody was talking about, what the fuss was about. Why would Russ want him? And Shane Waldron, to me, came off as a little bit uh, excited. He was definitely felt maybe... A, degree some nervousness which i don't mind because he was meeting the chicago media for the first time he was making his first impression and he knew how carefully he had to paint uh, between the number the, the lines there you know the paint by numbers like you can't say this you can't say this is very very careful and i don't mind him being careful because we all understand why so i was i, I, I know it was a low bar to clear it was about style, not substance, but I think that he cleared it. And I look forward to hearing more from Shane Waldron, who fits ideally on a staff that is just all about ball. But to go back, you know, to your first question, your first part of your question there, no doubt.
3: Yep, that was Matt Aperfleuse right there. And with Matt Aperflees. With Matt Eberflus confirming he will call defensive plays, what do you make of Eric Washington's explanation of why he took the defensive coordinator job with the Bears?
1: You know, my focus was on what the job is and as opposed to what it isn't. You know, the opportunity to come here and to this organization with a defense that is clearly on an upward trajectory.
2: Now, that's a guy that can get you excited, even though it wasn't necessarily how he said it, but what he's talking about. I really feel like Eric Washington is here because he sees the same thing a lot of us see in this Bears defense when he talked about wanting to create a pass rush that was one of the best in the league and the, mm. the, the the you know the best in the NFL you're like yeah he could probably do that my gosh if they get this edge rusher if they get this cornerback back and oh they move it all together this Bear's defense could be special and Eric Washington wants to be a part of that he was here before. He's been somebody that's worked for very respected head coaches and very good organizations at the time he was there. So there's a lot to like there. I understand what he's talking about. This defense could be, will be, I think, the strength of this team. It's enough to get a guy like that who understands what he's here to do and what he's not here to do. He's not going to be the guy that gets all the credit. This will always be Matt Eberflus's defense. I like the fact that he's humble enough to accept that, and he's respected enough to make an impact still.
4: So I think he also made a very strong first impression. I'm with you, David. I mean, out of all the coordinators, you know that I heard Eric Washington to me like really stood out. Just the fact that he don't even really—he's not even the defensive coordinator—and he stood out more to yep. me than Shane Walden. To me, just I, I love the pass rush because that is obviously we've been talking about it all last season. That's a weakness. They need a pass rush. Now they gas sweat. Hopefully they can add another one to it. But I, I like him. Just the, the more he talks, I was like, man, he he got a real good impression on me. Look, I mean, we know why Iber Flus is, is controlling the job. He's the defensive coordinator. It's the reason why I feel like he's the head coach right now. I mean, he stepped up in a way where the Bears kind of – the defense stepped up. Jalen Johnson played better. You had sweat on there playing well. I mean – it makes sense why he should be the defensive coordinator, but look, Aaron Washington on this staff, I I love
1: it. Yeah, I, I was impressed by him. I thought he did a really good job. I thought that's the that is the best question, by the way. You know, why are you coming here as a defense coordinator if you're not gonna be able to call the plays? Um, you know, I, I wanna talk about the pass rush briefly, because he brought it up. I I really I really wonder if the guys they have if, if you can increase a pass rush or if you need to go outside the organization to get that done, the, if you recall, when the Bears were making the deal they made for Montez Sweat, there was also talk at the time, like, oh, should they go get Chase Young? You know, it's one of those two guys. You know, Sweat's a solid player, but, boy, you know, Young can flash and he's got all this ability. Which one should they get? Well, they made the right decision because they got the guy that's going to break his rear end, that's going to work hard every play. They gave him $100 million, and they couldn't slow him down. He was going to earn that money. He was going to work on every play. And then you're watching Chase Young. Okay, he had a sack in the Super Bowl. Someone tell Tony Romo that he was unblocked when he got that sack. The guy blew the block. I don't even think he was touched. He gets the Super Bowl. There's Chase Young. That guy loafed around in the NFC Championship game like you've never seen. Um, but I wonder, you know, when you talk about like a Danielle Hunter, when you talk about getting a guy on the opposite side, maybe the two interior guys that you drafted last year can develop and be good enough inside. But I think you need to go outside the organization to get the uh, the, the other pass I think they will. And I think that's gonna that that comes Either at a free high agency, price tag. with
2: money you have or I, a draft. Yes, high with the pick that you still the number nine possess. Pick. Yeah.
1: Maybe okay, maybe. I, I just think that man, they will be so much better if they get that. And, and you know, hey, pay the corner. You're also going to have to pick up a veteran safety. I'm just saying the elements of a great defense are there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody can create a pass rusher
2: out of nothing. Not in that defense or that scheme. I think that yeah. you can create pass rush by applying pressure right. creatively. That doesn't seem like the reason he's here. It's more about getting the players who can right. get to the quarterback with the front four. Well, it's
1: a kid they brought in from Miami of Ohio, and they they've tried to make Dominic a, Robinson. Dominic Robinson, who was just sadly didn't get a game last year. Now this is it for him. We'll see him in his third year. Can he take a step forward? And if you can help him do that, that'd be great. But I, I don't know. I honestly don't know.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date.
2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, that's a good question.
0: How about
3: Eddie? How about Eddie Olsick telling us yesterday he believes Patrick Kane is the greatest Blackhawks player to ever play for the organization? There are a lot of chapters still to be written, and obviously, you know, you never know what happens down the road. But uh, to me, Patrick
2: Kane is the, the greatest player ever to play for the Chicago Blackhawks.
3: Do you agree? And is it even close?
1: Um, okay, this is a hard one. This is a hard one because it's so subjective. You know, I think we can all appreciate what Patrick Kane did, and we can love him, and we can sit back and say they don't win three cups without him. But I also think that when you think about the greatest players in Blackhawks history, you know, and it's a hard one to apply from one year to to another. You know, Bobby Hall was an unbelievable hockey player, he was an all time great, and they did win the cup in 61, was it? I, I don't know. Yes, I, none of us were around for yes, that. Yes, sixty. But they did it. Yes, okay? they did. Stan Makeda yeah. was a guy who was here, who was here forever, and and was a phenomenal player for years and years and years. Who who just you know represented the franchise. I think everybody loves Stan Mikita. Um, You know, when I was a kid, we would crush a can and we'd be out in the street, sometimes kicking it, sometimes we had actual hurling sticks which, believe it or not, will crack a hockey stick in half, and it happened in my uh, in my front uh, straight. Um, you know, we had hockey sticks occasionally, but all anyone wanted to be was Tony O, Tony O, Tony O. It was, you know, Tony Esposito was this unbelievable player. And I, I'm just saying, you know, it, it's easy to look at this. Okay. Jonathan Taves was... Captain Sirius. Captain, my captain. Do they win those titles without that guy? And I get it. He used up himself. He used up his body. If you needed someone to stand in front of, he'd be the guy to do it. He would fill in any dark spot you were missing on your team to his detriment. He took tons of hits, and it probably impacted his career and the length of time. I love Patrick Kane. I don't know that I can sit here and just say, greatest Blackhawks player ever i think as a real i, I it's been ringing in my ears i thought about <laughs> it on the drive home i thought about it, it when, we were, when we were arguing about elevator. it bugged you all day it didn't bo- it's just so subjective <laughs> i'm glad Kaner's coming back i uh, wish he would never left
4: yeah but
1: damn can we just can we say that without question captain my captain
4: yeah he's top 2 top 3 for me, Patrick Kane, I'll probably give it to Bobby Hull just because of the fact. I mean, isn't he the all-time leading goal scorer for the Blackhawks? To me, I, and also to was Patrick Kane ever a captain? Ever no. for this? I I I think that kind of matters to me. If you're if you're the greatest, I feel like you also got to be the captain too. I I just feel like when I he's a part of the dynasty, of course, of that Blackhawks when they won those Stanley Cups. But at the same time, I. When I think of them, I think of—I don't just think of Patrick Kane. I always think of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Like I, I just feel like they share it a little bit, even—even even though I know Patrick Kane's a better goal scorer overall. I I'll probably give him number two, number three, but I, I'm probably gonna have to give it to Bobby Hall.
2: Nah, it's Showtime. I'm with Eddie O. I think, yeah. With due respect to Bobby Hall, who I didn't really see play growing up a lot. Wasn't, wasn't he the first million-dollar player? Yeah, he was the first lot of they things. They gave him a million first dollars lot to go of to Winnipeg. Okay, he also won one cup. I'm not going to disparage Bobby Holt's career oh. on the ice.
1: One cup, hall. This is
2: about Patrick Kane. You're not going to disparage This is him. about Patrick Kane. Showtime. Three cups. The most talented, most explosive, the most skilled skater that's ever put on a Blackhawk sweater. And Sunday, he's coming in hot. He's coming in hot. He's got eight points, I think, in his last six games. Overtime, Overtime winner last night. night. Yeah. He is doing everything for the Red Wings that they wanted him to do. I don't care if it's Detroit. It shows you what he's still capable of. There will be conversations about whether or not he should have been in the Blackhawk uniform forever. But I think that when you look at the greatest all-time and you look at his numbers at the end of his career, they will say that he is the best Blackhawk ever. They will. The, he'll have the... The trophies to prove it and he'll have the highlight reel that is longer than anybody else's because he was he was magical in that way he was a guy that you didn't want to take your eyes off of when he was on the ice and I do think that you know when you look at American-born players he's going to end up being staking claim to probably being the best ever so I can't wait for Sunday. I wonder, will there be more Bedard jerseys or Patrick Kane Blackhawk jerseys?
1: You just brought it up. Is Bedard the greatest Blackhawks player
2: ever? By the end of his career, we talk to me in 20 years. Let's have this uh, conversation in 15 years, and we'll have, we'll have a good debate. I hope it will be a good debate. But Jonathan Taze, with due respect, and Patrick Kane, there is no debate. I love the other guys who have been... You could take somebody off the... You, they, they don't win the Cups without Duncan Keith, but he's no Patrick Kane. Not in, in the context of history. Historically speaking, Eddie O's claim that Patrick Kane is the best Blackhawk ever will withstand the test of time.
1: You take in Taze or Bedard or Pierre Pollock <laughs> Right now. Why you got to knock him? I'm just making a joke.
3: You know, to answer your question... After Thursday night's game against the Celtics, the Bulls have 26 games left. Based on last night's performance, what is a reasonable expectation of their record for the remainder of the season? And are there any surprises left in this team? I think this could go
2: off the rails. I fear last night watching that when they blew that lead... Hmm. or when they started playing as the way they did in the third quarter and you started to see the gap between the, the class of the league and, and the middle class of the Eastern Conference, I wondered if they don't get healthy, and it doesn't look like they're going to. Zach Levine's not coming back. Torrey Craig's not going to be back in a while. Where's Patrick Williams? How long is that going to go? I, how, when, is, when is he going to be effective again? Oh, boy. So. What do you mean again? Well right 10 26 games is 12 and 14 respectable is 10 and 16 possible this could get ugly and if it does I wonder how they react to that in the offseason will they do anything again or will they embrace the status quo again but last night was not a good way to start your final stretch because 26 games left sounds very very threatening
4: they're the same team as last year. They're a play-in team. I mean, that's it. I mean, I don't see... I don't know. I don't see Brooklyn, who fired their coach, going to mm-hmm. jump over them. That's out right now. I don't. Toronto just traded their best player away. The Hornets are the Hornets. And then you got Washington and, sorry, Robbie, Detroit. Horrible. So, like, with it's that okay. being said, it's... <laughs> it's. I mean, maybe the 10th Like, 10th seed, that's still a play-in team. I mean, it's it, 40 and... Forty-two, like that. That's probably the best for them.
1: Yeah, um, Robbie. By the way, Detroit guy wearing a Cubs hat, so he fits in. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, I'm just,
3: yeah, I'm just trying to fit in here, yeah. guys. That's this kind Dustin of. I'm, I'm a chameleon. The yeah, exactly. Dustin left in the Cubs hat. I just love Christopher Morel.
1: You, you would never wear a Sox hat, I guess. I right? uh, never. Yeah, that's the Tigers for <laughs> you. Um, but like a lot of guys that that moved to Chicago, you just immediately put on a Cubs. Hat. <laughs> Um okay look the um the bulls uh, here's the, you know this is the best question of the whole day is there any surprise left in this team i i think we've seen i think i feel tired watching them i think we've seen all the surprises we're going to see what would be the surprise you know patrick williams coming back and being good would that be a surprise that would be the thing that would yeah. help them. Right. That would be great. Torrey Craig hurting his knee as you're going against a team that, that has eight guys that can knock down threes on you. That was, a, that was a train wreck. Those injuries are really bad. Did you see their starting lineup with, with Kobe and Io? Really? That's your starting lineup? That, that's kind of a backup lineup to begin with. You don't have any power forwards left. And you and you look at where this team is at, and you just don't. I don't see where the spark come from. I, it comes from. I don't see where there is an element that we hadn't expected or seen. I, we've seen it already with Kobe White. I, I think that he came out of nowhere and they got better. And that, wow, you know, Zach goes down, it doesn't matter because we got a third guy and it's still going to be the big three. I feel I feel like as exhausted as DeMar DeRozan as I watch this. Just too many games, too many seasons.
2: You look fresher, though. Too
1: much. That, uh, thank you, buddy. Um, it, it's just, it, I think it's the vitamins. But it's just too much. Can you give him a few? It's too much. He looks it's, tired. Yeah, it, it he does. just had a week off. I'm just saying. They came off the break with that performance. Give me a break.
3: Yeah, I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. What did you guys think of the Bears promoting offensive line coach coach Chris Morgan to run game coordinator? Was that the plan all along and the reason SEMO was retained and the rest of the staff was fired? Does does this suggest anything about the Bears' offensive identity? Yeah,
1: I think it's a really interesting move. And I think it's, um, again, you're rewarding a guy that you held in high esteem. And I think if I'm the Raiders right now and I see – and I see this. I'm spitting out my coffee. Oof, wait a minute. I thought we got. I thought we had the running game coordinator, and that's why he's our offensive coordinator. I think what they liked about Luke Getze is that he ran the ball. Hey, we want to run the ball. This guy knows how to run the ball. Well, apparently it's Semo. At least in the Bears' eyes, at least in Matt Eberflus' world, that's the guy he retained. That's the guy he promoted, and they still want to get that run game going and they know they're going to get it because they've got an offensive line coach that wants to put the run game together. A lot of offensive line coaches do that role anyway in the NFL. It's like a, it's a, it's a huge job. You better have a good offensive line coach. If you're going to compete in the NFL, you also need a defensive line coach. So you got, uh, improvements on those areas for this team. Hopefully. Um, it, it, it's a, uh, It's a very telling thing that you get rid of your offensive guys, but you keep the line coach and you uh, give him a bump and you give him a new title. So congratulations to Chris Morgan. I thought he did a really good job last year. I think that they've gone through a lot just trying to line these guys up and figure out how to get that line going. I still think they need help, obviously you know i want i don't want to call the offense rudderless but i will call it centerless and uh you would like to get that fixed
4: the offensive line was kind of one of the questions going into last season and i think they did a solid job overall so congratulations to simo on you know getting this run game coordinator was that a position that they had last year no there was no run game coordinator position for this bears team last season so, I mean, with I think, that being said... I think
1: sa- Justin Fields helped. Justin
4: choice. Fields was the run game coordinator. He was, <laughs> he was the one. With that being said, that, that does kind of say what this team identity is. I feel like with Shane Walden, they're going to run the ball. That's going to be the identity, especially if they get a rookie you know, quarterback. That's kind of what you want to do to help out a rookie QB.
2: Chris Morgan must be an outstanding coach. He survived the purge, and now he's getting promoted. And I do think that the Bears' running game identity the last several years was rooted in the fact that Justin Fields was the best running back on the field for them. Right. Now, did he benefit from a, an offensive line that was great at run blocking? I don't know if he did or not. I, I think that he benefited from being the best running back on the field and having explosiveness and athleticism and, and being big and strong and fast. I don't know about this. I And again, we don't know what the meetings are like. We don't know what the film reviews are like. We don't know Chris Morgan, frankly, from Joe Morgan or any Morgans. And I don't know that we're in a position to really evaluate the the strength of position coaches anything more than by reputation. And he certainly has a growing reputation as a good technician and and a sound, solid offensive line coach, which is maybe the most important position coach on your staff. I would say, either offensive or defensive line. Very important. So this is consistent with the way the Bears think of him. I don't know if it leans into their identity or not. I think their identity will be uh, whatever Shane Waldron determines it to be. If they have a rookie quarterback, they're going to want to lean into the running game until he becomes more effective and give him time to grow. So, yes, this is consistent, and I think it's probably going to be a good
1: move overall. Now go ahead and ask me whatever you want to ask me, and I'll answer whatever I feel like.
3: Last one. According to Fortune Magazine, 10 professional sports teams, five in the MLB, five in the NFL, either announced or began plans on a building on building a new stadium. And all 10 of those plans included hundreds of millions of dollars from governmental budgets. As galling as Jerry Reinsdorf's South Loop plan might be one billion dollars in public subsidies. Is he just following the playbook used by his billionaire peers? And does that change anything?
2: This is important context to remember in this conversation, because it changes nothing. The ask is still audacious. Jerry Reinsdorf is still galling. His veiled threats to move is irritating, hypocritical, and annoying. Oh. There are not. There's not enough time left in this segment or this show to say all the things that rankle you about Jerry Reinsdorf's presence in that leather coat going to Springfield. That image is one of the ones that's going to be the most indelible of this offseason and of the calendar year 2024. That said, this is the way that business is done in professional sports. I don't like it. I was surprised at the numbers. Ten projects in 2023 and all ten had some sort of public funding attached to these projects. It is part of life in a big city. It is part of life in professional sports. It's part of life that makes me wonder if we're all going to just have to accept it at the end of the day. And if this project in the South Loop may get forced through and approved because of what this context suggests. Everybody does it. Everybody tries it. I don't like it anymore. I may hate it more. I may like it even less. But. It could happen because it has happened in other cities, and I do think those are the precedents that Jerry Reinsdorf has pointed to or the people around him have pointed to.
4: See, I'm a Sox fan, just like Mully, and this just kind of like frustrates me a little bit because it's it's, it's crazy. We talk more about the Sox than, than the Cubs right now, and the Cubs are a better team, and the fact that
1: and they're trying to win.
4: And they're and, and they're trying to win. While wow. the Sox team right now on paper looks horrible. You don't even know some of the Sox players. And then on top of this, the Bears, they get a stadium and it's like, well, what about us? So now I'm gonna threaten to move to Nashville. And now let me I want a billion dollars of public funding. Like I, it's just it's just same old Jerry. This doesn't change anything. And it's just it's it's just sad overall you know, to be a Sox fan right now. Like, we can't even talk about, like, just good performance baseball.
1: Yeah, it it is a great point, uh, Brandon, that you make there for sure. Um, Did you read Sully? He wrote a great column about this. If you read Fran Spielman, she talked to a lawmaker who was in Florida when the Sox didn't show up in Tampa. Yeah. She talked about it. I got to tell you, you know the problem with this thing is Jerry. That's the problem. He, we've been down this road. We've heard the the threats. We understand what the game plan is. We know, you know. It's like Jerry got out his book, his giant book of like stadium. Uh, what it's like a spell book, you know. And he whoo, whoo, he's blowing the dust off the thing and oh, threatened to leave. And now he's telling us, well, when I die, who, Jerry, who turns 88 on Sunday, whoa, when I'm gone, it's up to Michael. Michael apparently at the lunch with the Cranes reporter. And, uh, I, I mean, that's great, right? It didn't say anything because I don't think he's loud. But, you know, Jerry, when I die, we're going to sell this team. And, oh, whoever buys it is going to move out of town. How many Sox If you took a poll right now, Brandon, you're a Sox fan. How many people would roll the dice on that one? Let's just get a new owner in and see what he does. If he's going to take the team somewhere else, ah, you know, what a pity. I hope he. I wish he wouldn't. And it's too bad. Going to buy did. the team. You're not moving it. If you buy the team, finance the South Loop. Surely there's somebody you're staying with deep enough pockets. You're staying to get the whole thing and you're done. Enjoy it. And isn't yeah. going to go back to the '80s blueprint of how do you squeeze politicians for money? I mean, enough with Jerry as the front man going down there. I, can you imagine? It's like you're on the L, and the guy's got the three cards, and you're trying, and he's moving them around. And It's like, do we have to see an 88-year-old man run the same shell game that he's been running most of his career? The problem with the references to the St. Pete bluff
2: oh. is that – That's exactly where his mind has remained, and that's exactly the way that he views it. It it worked, and also he is stuck in that era, and he never really has advanced.
1: And and you know, frankly, we're all stuck in that era because we see him, and he starts that. You know, go visit the Nashville mayor. Are you kidding me? I mean, that wasn't a shot across the bow before you start all this stuff, and then you claim, "Oh, whoever buys the team's moving." Give me a break.